You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to The Comedy Cellar show, Sirius XM Channel 99, The Comedy Channel. Uh, we're here uh, at the table with Dan Natterman, Kristen Montella, Greg Rogel just sat down. We have a special guest we can introduce. Dan is uh, in the process of tr- telling us why it is that uh, Leonard Oots is having success because of his name. Go ahead. No, Dan. I don't believe I said that. What I said is it's one ingredient among numerous ingredients. Mm-hmm. He's but a door. But one. He's, he definitely has I'm not even sure it's <laughs> the most important, but I, I, I brought it up because I think even something as insignificant as a name counts. Leonard Uts is an adorable name, and I made the point that if his name was uh, Mustafa Jamal, that he might... Uh, that, that might slightly decrease his lovability among white folk. Uh, yeah, uh, well, we didn't introduce you, but go ahead. Bar- 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 I, it bar- also, Sunday, Thursday. Go ahead. They have it could studied. also could have made him a president of the United States. Like fair it enough, could cut both ways. Take yes, that, yes, Dan. indeed. Boom. But, but had boom is right. <laughs> uh, but Obama came, became president not because of, but despite his name. Uh, we will agree to disagree on what, that. What one. Dan is really saying, you know what he's really saying. What is he really saying? He's really saying that if he didn't have the Jewish name Natterman, he'd be a lot further in his career. <laughs> that's no, really I, what actually, he's saying. That's, not, well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's what Jeff Ross did. He went from Jeff Lipschultz to Jeff. Ross. That's not what, what I'm. Of the mic. Yeah, yeah, and John Stewart too, and Woody Allen. That's not what I'm saying, but ha- because Natterman is not that <laughs> crazy, insane, a an ethnic name. But, it's, it's, but uh, it's, yes, it's pretty ethnic. But if John Stewart Leibowitz had kept Leibowitz, I wonder whether that would have affected his career. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. All right, Seinfeld. Yes. Now but, that Seinfeld you it up. but Seinfeld is uh, worse than Leibowitz. Not as bad as Leibowitz. Not as bad as Leibowitz. No, on the on the uh, on the on that there are scale. Degrees, He's obsessed with this stuff. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that he couldn't have made it with the name John Leibowitz. I'm saying I think Stewart was a good move, and I think it helped to whatever degree it helped. Yeah, I think him being really talented helped a lot more. Uh, don't piss Dan off. He doesn't like to hear that, that well, John Stewart's super talented. Uh, he's talented, uh, but he was not. <laughs> I, we, we were discussing last week whether his talent made his success inevitable, and I, I don't believe that it did. I don't believe in. I believe that almost all success has has a has a nice dose of luck involved, um, with few exceptions. Uh, I, I have unconfirmed reports, by the way. So a rose by any other name would smell as sweet, but would, might not be enjoyed in the same way. Well, no, Roseburg would have known. Uh, it, it might not. <laughs> Rosenkrantz. It Rosenfeld. <laughs> no, it, w- it, w- it would be enjoyed. A, a Rosenfeld would, by any other it name. It would be enjoyed, but would it would be enjoyed. But in order for anything to be enjoyed, you have to get out in front of the camera and you have to get the opportunity. All right. Can we talk about the rape? Well, can we talk also about just a brief word about um, a man that we refer to as Crazy Mike? Yes. And I've heard uh, Do we know that he died? No, we don't know confirmation. Unconfirmed yet, reports. We're allowed to do. We're allowed to say that these are unconfirmed reports. Yeah, we can yeah. say it. That crazy Mike has has died. McDougal Mike. Oh no, really? McDougal Mike. Yeah. And th- this was a man who was, I guess, suffering from schizophrenia. But a staple at the comedy store. But he used to come here, and you know, I, I'm not convinced that it's not us that are crazy. And he was the only sane one. <laughs> he would come in here and he would talk completely incoherently, arrange the rearrange the silverware. And uh, called everybody by a different name than their real name. Yeah, he yeah. called me Gnome. He called me your name all the time. He, called, yeah. he used to but call me. But he remembered me, the fake he, name. He would have a fake name for everybody and he'd remember that. And the fake name would be consistent for decades. Yeah, yeah he called exactly. me Ephraim. So I've always been Ephraim. How do you know that wasn't your real name? Oh, very good. Yeah, I was Daniel. Well, I, I don't know. My, but he called me Jehovah. Maybe that's who you were meant to be. He called uh, Steve, outside Steve. Yeah. He called him son of Jarrell. Oh, that's right. But that, you can see where that comes from. I know, but it was kind of brilliant. But and 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 my favorite one, Sherrod Small, was Coleman. Coleman. <laughs> <laughs> and he would he, he if he didn't see you for five years, he'd come back and say, "Hey, Col- Coleman." Yeah, and, it's well, true. So I for, for those who are so so I I knew Mike ever since I was a little boy, like um, when he was sane. He wasn't sane. No, since like five or six years old. And he was insane, but he was—he went through various stages of, of craziness. And for a while, he was semi-sane, but he was like selling books on the um, on the street, like one of these used books. And then one day, I remember it, I was around seven years old, and Mike was hanging out in front of the olive tree, and he was, you know, just bothering everybody. And I was waiting in the car with my mother. My father was walking in for a second; he was coming back, and. My father comes out and he starts saying, Mike, you got to get out of here. And they started to get into a fight, an argument. And my father, you know, had a, a bad temper. 
And all and Mike really saying all of a sudden he's screaming at Mike. It's screaming. And Mike unzips his fly and takes out his ample sized penis and just lets it hang there while my father's yelling at him. And my, and my father has no idea. My father's so caught up in his anger. That's called a no, moment of clarity. He has no idea that Mike's got his dick out. And I'm seven years old in the car going, Daddy, Daddy! Like, like it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life, you know? And when my father finally comes back in the car, I'm like, Daddy, Daddy, he had his pee-pee out. He had his pee-pee out. My father's like, what? What? It was one of, and I remembered it the rest of the rest of my life. And, uh, oh, God. <laughs> it was really a funny story. I remember when your father uh, gave him a bunch of suits. Oh. And uh, he laid them all out. And he went, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, he no. picked through expensive suits. My father had all, these, all, all the clothes from Barney's, all expensive stuff. And, and he brought all, no, it was, my father used to say that he and Crazy Mike were the only people who still wore sports jackets to work. And my father <laughs> brought him like 40, my father gained weight, and he brought him like 40 jackets. And he brought them all, and he slept them all the way in from Mike. And Mike went, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> he didn't want any of them. <laughs> so, but uh, he was a he was a beloved fixture down here. Uh, if he's dead, he had to be close to eighty years old. He looked. Uh, you think? No, I think he was more close to seventy. But no, no, oh, no, 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 no. I think no. he was in his eighties. Yeah. If, if he was, if he was not eighty, he was very close to eighty. Yeah. And we don't know how he lived. Uh, but he seemed okay, you know. But people would find people would run into him in in Florida. They'd run into him uptown. People would have always stories about how they'd always run into yeah, Mike like somewhere. how did he get there? Really, Florida? Yeah. <laughs> and actually, uh, um, I just remember he owes me money. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. <laughs> no, you're I, think, I think I lent him like three hundred dollars like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> he died on purpose. Three <laughs> hundred? Yeah. I, I lent him twenty, and he would say like. You give him a twenty. He goes, no, I don't want that one. I want that one, like another twenty dollar bill. But he always paid his. He paid he his. Paid, paid money back. No, he didn't pay me. Uh, he, oh, years he ago, he would. Back. He, oh, yeah. in his defense, he's dead. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I, I, whatever. I'm gonna have to eat that debt. Uh, we all. Uh, he, he, it's true that from time to time you give him like five bucks and he would give it back to you, but giving it back to you was kind of crazy too. But when I lent him a few hundred dollars from here, here and there, when he needed money for something, he never paid it back. But I never expected to get it back. Yeah. Anyway, but I, I did uh, deduct it uh, from my taxes. You know, it is a charitable <laughs> contribution. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So now can we talk about the rate? Anyway. Yes. It, uh, if you want to get to that now. In, in all seriousness, if Mike has died, uh, it's very sad. It's the end of an era. It'll be missed. Yeah. Uh, all the most famous people in comedy know exactly who he is and uh, will probably be saddened by his, by his death. Okay. Go ahead. So I'm not going to mention any names um, because, you know, none of this is... Uh, been proven, but but apparently these two women at the UCB complained to the UCB, the Upright Citizens Brigade, the improv group or whatever they're at school, that somebody had raped them, uh, the same person these women were claimed to have been raped by. So the UCB uh, banned this person from performing there, and um, there has been, uh, the, his, the name of the person has been revealed on social media. Uh, well, he and, revealed it himself. He wrote a whole, I, I think you could say the name because he wrote a whole Facebook thing about it defending himself. Okay, I think it was deleted. Well, what's but in any way, I'll leave it name. to you to say the name or not. To I don't say know the name. the name. I don't know the name either. I mean, it was Jewish, I think. That it was. Just to be on the safe side, we'll call him a crazy Mike. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I'm not out. I'm not uh, um, anxious to to announce anybody's so, name, you know, but I don't want to be ridiculously th- cautious th- when he's come out publicly himself. Well, I mean, but it's not all that relevant to the discussion anyway. Okay. Right. So um, you know, as this has happened before. With these types of accusations, you know, the, the question is, is is social media, is it appropriate to put this guy's name out on social media? And, and a lot of people are condemning him and calling him a rapist. And, of course, it hasn't been proven in a court of law. And then another point that's been made, mostly by Kurt Metzger, who is on an absolute warpath about this, is that the UCB should not have banned him based on whatever internal allegation. investigation and allegations that they conducted. We don't know about and that these women should have gone to the police, which I don't know that we know that they didn't. I'm not sure that we know that they did or they didn't. But but he was in the performing with these women. He was yeah. They were in at UCB together. Now they came together or I don't know. Now I don't know if they came together, which is an odd choice of words. <laughs> given the and and uh, so so we don't. Well, know. I had to because oh. it was out there. Oh God! Oh, there Dan. are some things you can just leave out there, Dan. You don't have to. Anyway, well, I had a question for you. Uh-huh. Because I think this is very interesting. As you, as a club owner, somebody, some waitress, for example, comes to you and says that such and such a comic raped them or was was, was sexually inappropriate with them. 
Inappropriate or raped? Raped. Let's say raped. Okay. okay. And 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 you knowing this comedian, your spider sense tells you, without knowing anything for sure, that that this is valid, that this is credible. Of course, you don't know for sure, and there's no trial, and they may or may not have gone to the police. I need more facts. Um, in this hypothetical, are they do they are they really funny? <laughs> um, <laughs> say it's a comedian. Are, are, the, are they killing? <laughs> well, well, you know, you say boo, but let me tell you something. Yeah, but if she, this guy was destroying and filling the seats, let me see if UCB was so eager to ban well, him. Well, that's now rewind to Bill Cosby. I'd put him on. That no, was no, exactly no. Bill Cosby's situation, right? He was like super successful, making a ton of people a lot of money, and people knew that he was doing horrible illegal crimes for decades. And they kept signing for TV shows and honoring him with special degrees and defending him as a bodyguard, as a manager, yes. as a booker, and as an agent. So you and agree they, with me? And people knew. So you agree with me? Well, he agrees I, that I people do it. Yeah, I don't he, think it's a, a good thing to do, but no, I say there's a precedent for that. I was on a plane. I suppress this, okay? This memory. I suppress this of my flight to Portland. But this is why I believe a lot of those Cosby accusers, okay? This is what happened to me on a plane. I'm sitting in economy... Economy extra space, it's like $9 on Delta to get this much more. Because I'm a Frankenstein, so I need the, the, this much legroom, you know? So I'm like, ooh, I'll pay $9. And then what happens is I show up and there's two other giant mooks that had the same idea that are in my row. So we just sit there like monsters, you know? Just crammed in. It didn't, it didn't do anything. So this guy who, who had the window seat, he's an older guy with a cane. A very nice, uh, he was white, but he was a very Dr. Huxtable-esque, <laughs> kindly man, okay? And he's like, hey, buddy, why don't you take the window seat? I'm like, oh, hey, thanks. So I take the window seat, and I fall asleep. And I, by the way, I sleep like an asshole on a plane. I put the tray down, and I do like it's my desk in school. <laughs> and just like fucking sleep like that. Okay, so I'm sleeping like that. And I woke up because that nice man, uh, I guess he wanted to take pictures out of the window. Okay. So he fucking just like nestled his elbows into my back. He was trying to get to the window. So he just fucking just leaned over into my back. That's how I woke up was this guy's arms. There's nothing to take a picture of out the window, by the way. There's just a wing of a plane. There was nothing. And like, and like not massaging enough that I could call him on, but like a little, a little of this. Yeah, I just woke up to that, okay? And uh, yeah, do you know, you know how I handled it? I and mean, I swear to God, this is the truth. Uh, I just froze up and <laughs> pretended to be asleep until he finished. Because <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Yeah. I just let him finish on my back because I was scared. Yeah, because I didn't expect it and he seemed nice. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So if I had that much trouble with a Sky Cosby, imagine a Land Cosby coming at you. I just froze up like an aspiring actress, sir. <laughs> Land Cosby, yeah. So obviously, yeah. if it was Aziz Ansari, that's the, he gets you know the, he gets a couple of free rapes in. But the 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 oh, Stan, I'm Jesus. just saying you would you oh, if oh. it was Aziz, you would be like, well, we really don't know. Oh, I see. Well, can I just introduce Baratunde since yeah, we, Baratunde. We, we, oh, please bring me up right uh, in the middle of the uh, rape I'm going to read it from your Wikipedia. <laughs> Baratunde oh, Rafik. Baratunde Rafik Thurston. Why are you reading from the Wikipedia? Uh, is an American writer, comedian, and commentator. Co-founded the Black Political Blog. Jack and Jill Politics, whose coverage of 2008 Democratic National Convention was archived in the Library of Congress, was director of Digital for the Onion, and his 2012 book, uh, in 2012, his book, How to Be Black, became a New York Times bestseller. And you were something with The Daily Show, too, right? I was a supervising producer. Supervising producer yeah. of The Daily Show, which it's weird that that's not on there. The Wikipedia is so out of date. Yeah. For me, like I'm not famous enough to have obsessive fans fighting over well, my Wikipedia well, page. Baratunde.com, for those listening, is the best place to get like updated. Well, that's facts that's and how you know, me. you know, when a Wikipedia page, when somebody's really famous, the Wikipedia page is, you know, is 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 right up to date. Like, like when I die, it probably will. It'll 
50 years later will still say no if i were truly famous they would be like he is currently recording a podcast at the comedy cellar yes. in new york right. city <laughs> and, and, be the and, it would, and, and you would have it in several languages <laughs> yeah oh absolutely absolutely and um, they'd be fighting so, about it on the talk so, page you would have yeah. it in like serbo croatian <laughs> you would have a wikipedia page so so that's, that's but anyway that's what but none so, of that's false it's just you know yeah. a little old so go ahead. So, what so I, well, the question is, is what, what do you as a club owner uh, do? Let, what do you let, see let me, as let, your duty as a club owner, let, if any, toward let, the people that work here? Let me toss it to the table. Baratunde, what do you think I, I would be the right thing for me to do if two... Um uh, I said waitresses. If two, if two people yeah. well, said why, that, why? Uh, you know, somebody had raped them. So um, I think your starting point of wanting more facts was a good start. I think you got to... Be supportive and encouraging. I think most of the society tells women to not ever say anything to anybody. So you kind of recognize that it's not easy to come forward to an authority figure, whether they're law enforcement or your boss, right. and accuse someone else in that community of such a heinous act. I don't think most people do that lightly or make it up when they say it. It usually blows back and people don't believe you. And they say, what were you wearing? And why are you so slutty? And all these pretty irrelevant questions. So I would seek to be compassionate. Um, and, and kind of supportive of them coming forward to begin with and ask about what the appropriate way to support them is. I mean, I can't jump straight to like, oh, I would instantly ban this comic because I don't, this is a super hypothetical and I don't even know the situation that we're talking about right now. I'm kind of walking into this on this mic. But having known women in my life who have been assaulted or raped and not believed or it's been repeated, whether they're friends or family or, just, or colleagues, um, I think the most important step I would take as the business owner is to show compassion and some form of leadership and listening um, and not to dismiss it out of hand or you know, basically put their needs above, like, how's tonight's show going to run? If I can try to communicate that, then hopefully that leads to a solid outcome and, a, and a, something closer to justice than what they feel like they've gotten if they're coming to me and not law enforcement. But is, is there, in your estimation, a, a if say you were 70% convinced, you, you analyzed whatever evidence there was that yeah. was at your disposal, and you, in your mind, well, you're pretty sure that this has really happened. Um, of course, you can't be 100% sure. Yeah. And you're not, you know, and, but this is your business, and you're entitled to do what you want. Mm -hmm. I don't think you need to adhere to the beyond a reasonable doubt standard that we expect in a court of law. This is your court, and you can do what you want. So, so, so is there a point at which you would ban this comedian that did that i'm sure there is a point i mean certainly if the comedian acknowledged it well okay uh, but, <laughs> you know, but, like that's but barring that point. barring it yeah i mean look i i want the information i mean i'm i don't want to pretend that i'm lady justice mm -hmm. and that i just have access to universal truths and can instantly judge people at the same time and i'm just describing how not obvious this is you know for me as this hypothetical business owner where i own a comedy club which is also a pretty dope future so thank you for this hypothetical um and my first act as an owner is to field a, an accusation of rape so that's not a good day for my first well, i didn't say day. Your first day is the i mean all in my head like it's my first day i own a comedy club and the right. first thing that happens is two employees say that uh someone else in the community has uh, has raped them so there is a point i'm sure I would want to, you know, get facts, as has already been said. I would want to show support kind of rhetorically, emotionally, which I think doesn't often happen. And, you know, the, the way the justice system works and doesn't work, it leads me to not always have confidence in it uh, in terms of how that process works for victims, in terms of how that process works for the accused. Like, it cuts both ways. There are people who are locked up for not, you know, the things that they did or over-prosecuted. There are people who don't get the justice they deserve. Uh, because they're politically connected or they look a certain way. So for me to act as my own Justice Department uh, is terrifying. And I don't, I'm not going to pretend right now that this is like an easy, like, oh, yeah, if, if those two said it and I feel it in my spidey sense, then that comic's just instantly out. Can, can I, I think there is a way to like try to bring in other folks and judge that whatever the courts may eventually decide or whatever the cops eventually turn up, there is probably a line before that determination can I ask you a that question says, this is our family we Baratunde? don't just like that vibe are, are yeah. you are you hesitant because in the back of your mind you're aware of like uh famous cases where black kids were accused of rape and it turned out they were innocent and and you're worried about making that same mistake as the club owner is that is that's what uh, yeah, it's, informing it's, your opinion it's all i mean it's a little broader than specifically black kids accused of rape oh, you said it's, the, but, but, yeah. but it's like a criminal justice system that clearly over polices and over prosecutes and over sentences and over re convicts black people over others in the society. Um, 
So I'm what I'm trying to be sensitive to is like, I'm pretty sure that in most accusations of rape, that's not the case. Like I think where the criminal justice system truly fails isn't around rape prosecutions. It's around like drug crimes. It's about tail lights being busted. It's about not paying your court fines. Well, so. in, in the fame in the Central Park, the famous Central Park yeah. case, uh, the the only difference was that uh, they got the wrong guys. Which doesn't seem to be a possibility here. Like, right. It, so she, she, and 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 quite often. I mean, you would know better than, than I do, but but I'd say probably all one majority, when when black guys or anybody is are convicted wrongly, it's not that the crime wasn't committed, it's that they, they got the wrong. People. They get the wrong yeah. criminal. Yeah. Which doesn't really seem to be a possibility. Yeah, that's true. No, here. that's a, that's a good point, and I think. You know, let me let me think about this from another way like what's the environment that I want my comedy club to represent like what do I want the people who show up here to perform to get paychecks to laugh how do I want them to feel about like oh this is Baratunde's comedy cellar and well, that, they, that, that name will never work Baratunde <laughs> this is Tunde. and uh, you know is this a place where two female employees tell the boss that they've been raped by someone in the community and nothing happens uh, that doesn't sit well, right? So I don't, I don't think that's why like the letting it go and just like hoping it disappears doesn't feel, that's like not an acceptable decision for me as a business owner. There's got to be some step toward clarity, resolution, and some kind of distancing or, or punishments or Let's ask sanction. a woman. Let's yeah. ask a woman. All right. Kristen. Oh. Oh. By the way. I thought you were going to defer, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> what, would you, what would you do as a woman? Would you show a special sensitivity to this being a woman? No, I think you have to, you know, take the case for what it is. Regardless, you can't put inject any personal bias in. She said inject, Dan. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> I didn't pick up on that. But you know, I think He's also learning. a lot of what we talk about at the this during this show is the special situation that is the comedy world. So you know, if you have somebody like Kurt Metzger going off on Facebook about this, and I mean, which side is Kurt on? He's for the fact. Kurt, Kurt. Thinks that these women should have gone to the police, which they might have, and we don't. Right. I don't think we even know that. And that UCB had no right to, to ban this person um, because UCB is not a court of law. So I think the, I think uh, you're in a unique position as a club owner because you have to prepare for fallout beyond the immediate yeah. situation of these Good two point. waitresses and this comedian. And you know, people, you know, comedians do band together for better or worse, and that this could really lead to something. So I think there is something to be said for. The, you know, being compassionate, of course, and understanding, and but still being limited in your ability to act. Well, what if, I mean, uh, and I don't uh, think that that's... What, what if you let them continue to work there, and then all of a sudden uh, somebody else gets raped? Doesn't that kind of open but you that's up not as a your club fault. owner for liability in any way? I don't, I don't know. I, yeah, I, don't I mean, think, I think that's a... You know, here's... You possible. Were, somebody, some Gloria Allred could make that case. Yeah. yeah. But here's, sure. here's, if there's a... So in one case that I'm actually aware of, this has nothing to do with comedy, but it does have to do with a community... This is a university community. And you could read these headlines all over the nation. For the waitresses, do they have to come up to work every day and see their rapists getting laughs on stage? Like how, and, and you as the owner, like you have enabled that environment. Once right. you know, once you've been told that this happens, you continue to let this person. Yeah, you don't know it, for sure. Yeah, but, but, but you, but, but the thing but, is, but I'm also, saying like if this, you know, in the case that this happened and this is true, like right. you're torturing. In, in your other words, you have right. to punish. Somebody has to get punished. Either the comedian has to get banned, yeah. or, or the waitresses know, have to see their put their, on their hiatus until it's resolved. Right. You know? And Getting so rewarded. you have to make a yeah. decision about who's going to suffer. I mean, it's also you know you can bring up Penn State and uh, Jerry Sandusky. I mean, right. uh, you know, apparently they you know the, uh, they were all aware of what was going on for a long time, and he continued to work there. And it, you know, it certainly reflect poorly on the school. And uh, you know, you, you know, I, I, it's a difficult situation. But I don't know how you could possibly, um, if two women accuse the guy of raping them, how you could um, have him continue to be in that environment until it's resolved. I mean, it just, it just seems like yeah. It, I mean, you could like a reckless, you could say, look, for thinking. for now, one could say for now, you can't work here. If if in the future this turns out to be these accusations are false, of course you come no, back it'll, and it'll, it'll never prove uh, it'll never be proven they were false. I and mean, they never they're well, never going to say yeah, we lied. Um, I, I suppose no, but so anyway, so now that we've all discussed it, now of course we come back to Noam, who is a club owner, mm -hmm. and hopefully will never be in this position. Well, I, I have been in that position. So what happened? What, did, or what can you share? Uh, or what did you do? Th these are the thoughts. I don't know the answer. The, the, the thoughts I have are that um, if two people say it, 
it's much more credible than one person saying it. You know, one person is can be just a whatever it can be an, an angry woman or whatever it is. Um, two people saying it, it, it becomes difficult to understand. Although I would want to know exactly the circumstances of of the two people. Were they best friends? Is it possible that one was trying to help the other? Help the other? But you know, presuming that it's really two separate incidents and they're both of equal credibility. Uh, the odds. The second thing comes. I say, what if, uh, what if I own, um, you know, uh, an accounting firm, mm-hmm. uh, and somebody comes in and says, you're, you're, this guy raped me. Am I going to fire someone who works in my accounting firm? Is it, you know, you, you can't have people just say that if, if you go to somebody's boss and say that they raped you, they have to fire him. That that can't be either. But on the right. other hand, comedians aren't really employees here, and I have more latitude as a club owner, but I don't know if that changes the moral decision because as much as comedians are not my employees here, they really, really depend on their work here. Even if it's not for money reasons, for whatever reason, it's very, very important to them to work here. What if, what and, if, it would, and it would be humiliating to them to be publicly uh, taken off the roster because we decide they're a rapist. So, uh, you know, it, it's quite serious. Yeah. Um, and there are so many... Cr- I mean, what if one of your comedians was... Accused of child abuse, or well, one of that, your that's, that's like, the next thing I wanted to say. Of, you know what I mean? It's just like at or what point? Fraud. Yeah, at what well, point well, do you? But, well, the difference someone's is always going to be. Well, it's well, different well, though because the accusers work here also, so you, you know you, you can't you can't have them all. It's oh, like a child. crime against the community. It's a oh, extra I see twist. what you're saying. I see right. what but you're did, saying. The, did the did the people at UCB who accused them of rape work at UCB? Yeah, they were all well. They were in well, the not working, but they're in the workshop together. Whatever goes on at UCB, I don't really know that. Another thought I had, and I said it like it's nefarious. Like whatever goes on at UCB. I'm pretty sure it's improv comedy. Well, improv and whatever <laughs> Stand else. Stand up yeah. and sketch. Uh, so, so, you know, there are certain offenses like uh, like rape and like child molestation and like using the N-word, which are treated, for whatever reason, as much more serious than attempted murder, uh, right. you know, whatever it is that Bernie Madoff did. You know, uh, there, are, there are many, many ways to do something absolutely horrible to people and as much as I for instance saying the, the, if you say the n-word in certain kind that will end your career and of course using the n-word is horrible but so is you know uh, being terribly cruel to your children right. but being terribly cruel to your children will not end your career people might say hey we're terrible children but, but, they'll, but they'll you know they'll move, they'll move past it and, and I don't think that's really defensible as a matter of fact uh, I would say being terribly cruel to your children is worse than using the N-word, depending on you know, what context you use the N-word. So it's difficult to, to separate the, the emotion of the accusation of rape. What if they said he tried to shoot me? Would I stop booking them then? Right. Uh, well, and I, uh, it, it beat me up. How about it beat me up? So, so uh, I don't know. But I guess what it comes down to, if, if I personally believed it were true, um, I guess I would have to stop booking them. Yeah. But um, the one time I was in that situation, uh, the fact pattern was not cut and dry, and I don't want to go into it, but I didn't take any action, and I think I made the right decision. And it wasn't because I was soft on, on rape. It was just, I can tell you guys all the thing, I, I didn't think it was, I would have been right to take action. Well, she, she, this, this girl, I think I know what you're talking about. She didn't say she was raped. Yes, she did. But well, I, I don't know the fact pattern. Uh, I, that's, whatever, I can't say. But... But I don't know. These are these are very very. T- there's no right answer. These are very yeah. very very tough questions. And people right. are making and, and these not decisions funny. every day. <laughs> yeah, no. not funny. No, not at all. It's a good way to start, though. <laughs> not we funny. Can get this done. Not at all. What people are tuning into this show to hear. Well, <laughs> the, the, we often get into but topics that are serious, I, but this one at least has the merit of being exceedingly relevant to the comedy seller in the comedy world. And I think it was actually quite. Interesting we, sh- we should have had some of Kurt's rants. Actually, I'm I have, sure I have, they were pretty funny. I've had two incidents actually of of this. I've never had an incident where two women complain about the same guy, but I had two incidents. And the truth is, one time was a close friend of mine, mm. and she claimed that this comedian, uh, she felt that she used the, the the rape word. Now, you know, remember Whoopi Goldberg got in trouble for saying rape, rape. You know, um, rape is a. Uh, word which is not exact and there is the rape of an innocent uh, of a uh, of a stranger in a parking lot you know uh, and then there's a rape of a woman who 
has gotten into bed, taken off all her clothes. Like the Mike, the, um, Mike Tyson example where, by all accounts, she took off her own panties, all that stuff, and then, then she claimed she was raped. I'm not defending either one, but they're not the same. I wouldn't give one the same sentence as the other. Maybe they should both go to jail. But the, the, the situation that I had was a, a girl who, you know, who, who was enga- en- engaged in a, in a sexual type of thing with the guy, but then the last step, apparently she had tried to resist and she felt that he powered her and, and she was really pissed about it. She wasn't pissed. She didn't react the way she would have reacted, I think, if she'd been raped in the parking lot of Shea Stadium by a stranger. But she was upset about it and I didn't do anything about it. And, and she didn't... Because she didn't feel like she gave consent for that. She didn't feel like she, she gave she, consent. In other words, they had already yeah. gone... They were making out. Were they were, who knows there. how far they had gone, you know? But in the end, uh, she didn't want to go all the way and he, in some way pressured her and I believed her mm-hmm. and she was a good friend of mine and I was really really upset about it but I don't know I didn't I didn't stop using the guy um, and it wasn't and he wasn't even particularly that funny it just uh, I just didn't want to open up that can of worms I don't she wasn't angry with me about it I don't know it's very very tough very very tough anyway anything else on that one Dan no I think I think we had a pretty good discussion with regard to uh, uh, stay tuned on Facebook for more of Kurt Metzger's yeah. insane <laughs> and if you don't have consent don't have sex that's just a good rule if you don't have consent don't have sex yes that's, that's a good rule like if you do something other than that that's technically rape Kristen have you ever said no and then found yourself <laughs> consenting uh, after uh, some prodding or some drinks probably of course of yeah. course we all, we all but, I, but I like you know but there was a consent ultimately I never yes. felt right I never yeah. felt I probably regretted well, going a, along, but I never, I never felt like I intently well, tried to not. The between prodded and being physically restrained. Right. I well, mean, she didn't claim. That's the thing. She didn't claim. It, it wasn't the case where she was like, no, no, screaming and and it was like, like I'm saying. That's right. There's so many. Like you'd have to see the, the video. Shades of gray. It, it's yeah. it's it's a, it's a tough thing to judge. Yeah. But the fact is, I, she was a good friend of mine. She did use the R word. She was upset about it. Yeah. She she wasn't hysterical about it, and and that informed my decision in some way. I feel like if she really if she had been really really traumatized, I would have reacted to it differently. Did she she go was to the police? she was more angry than she felt that she was traumatized. No, no she didn't go. Well, because she and, 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 and from cases that I'm familiar with, she was probably in part angry with herself too. Maybe you know for even getting to that line, for example. I mean, I. The case that one case I have in mind is it's a college situation and it was it's an encounter that began consensually, but it was not a sexual encounter that was consensual. And there was a lot of pressure and there was a pretty clear declaration of like, I do not intend to go any further. And the guy did not listen to that. But he felt like we've had drinks and I paid for these things and we're in your dorm room. And it's disgusting. You know, there, there's a, people get to us. Like, you're right. You're very right. And I think people don't talk about this enough that there are these shades in sexual encounters. Like, it's rarely a binary switch. Like, everybody get out your paperwork and your contracts and we're sober. We're going to agree. Yeah. Like, we make sexual decisions from a point of inebriation a lot. Like, that's what a right. whole society trains us to. <clears throat> so, most of us aren't even in our right mind. Like, if we're trying to be real about it, like, we make terrible decisions around sex and that's what our whole culture and commerce tells us to, to do with it. But when you have declared, like, I don't want to do this and someone violates you, they've still crossed the line. Absolutely. Um, I hope nobody thought I'm... I'm no, no, uh, no. Yeah, you're, yeah. But you're, you're talk- and, 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 and just to, to back you up a little bit more on, like, the specifics of punishment and, like, how that varies, in this case, the woman, she didn't want this guy to go to prison for, like, years and years and years. She just didn't want to have to go to class with him. Right. Right? Like, she didn't want to have to see him every day being rewarded for violating her body and her will. And that's very different from wanting to throw somebody in the criminal justice system for like a decade to be brutalized himself, possibly. Um, she didn't see that as justice. Yeah. Kristen is leaving. Are you offended? No, I'm not offended. No, she, she I, told I, us I, I told you she... I had to leave early today. Why do you have to leave early? Because it's my sister's birthday. It's Karen, the one you thought had an eye well, for I you. believe she did. Oh, can we talk about that? <laughs> she's getting what? married? Yeah, she's getting married. <laughs> We're not allowed to talk uh, about that, are we? What? About her getting married? That she was with a girl for a little while? Yeah. What's wrong? So what? I don't know. I don't know what your parents know or what her friends know or what what his parents know. Well, they know now. Maybe we should discuss that. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, Kristen, you really... Well... (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Kristen's lesbian sister is getting married, so... uh. (laughs) To a man. 
to a man. To a woman, to a man. All right, I, I so, think we call that bisexuality now. So, uh, uh, Baratunde, you worked at The Onion. I did. Which is one of the most remarkable thing, uh, outfits there is. I, and, agree. I cannot believe how funny they are. What, 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 what's it like to work at The Onion? What, what did you do there? I, I joined as... Um, I applied for the position of politics editor. This was back in November 2007. And it, was I, it, what, I'm sorry. It what, was in at, New York. But at that time, was their main presence online or was it the printed? Because they have both. a printed one. It was both. They used to update the website content once a week and then had shifted that to like every day at midnight when I joined. But the, there were distribution boxes all over Do they still Austin. print? I haven't seen no, one. No, I need to stop printing a few years ago. Okay. But they were in like Austin, San Francisco, all the hot blue cities and red states and super blue cities and blue states. Right. Um, and especially Madison where it was founded and, and all over New York. So I joined uh, to help run election coverage for the Obama-McCain campaign and then also to run all their internet, like web presence, how do we do humor online differently, social media. So I became the director of digital was my title. And I was there for about five years. And did you write content and stuff? I wrote some content. I, I basically got to interact with everybody. I wrote a lot of content for the internet. Uh, a few headlines got into the paper. I wrote a few short pieces one really disgusting one about McCain's health and what was found inside of his body when his doctors <laughs> did it. Like, I actually talked to a doctor friend of mine, like, what's the most disgusting thing you would find in, like, an old body? And it was, like, an impacted, like, rectum or something with, like, just stool. It's disgusting. So that was hilarious uh, to be able to use real medical science to make a disgusting uh, dumb One of the things I admire about The Onion is that, um, as opposed to most humor outfits, yeah. it's not readily apparent to me what their politics is. Mm. Is that, is that a conscious decision they make? I think, I mean, I think the politics are pretty, it is a left-leaning organization pretty clearly, but they're critical of so much. And I think what helps with the Onion's voice is that it's, it tries to be legitimately journalistic. And so they are poking at the subject of the story as much as they're poking at the media that makes it. And so the form of the Onion is just so strong and they adhere to AP style and the, the way the bylines are written, like it all sounds so very official. Th th and that's part of why it is so strong. It's just, it's the driest, straightest, yet most absurd and hilarious and increasingly hard to be absurd because the real world is kind of crazy. But I think part of the magic of that onion is that it had such a clear journalistic anchor and that voice made it, you know, it was less about the left right of it than like the right wrong of it, or the absurdity of it. Are you working the Daily Show now? No, I left The Daily Show in May. I, I joined last summer with, when Trevor started up, and I was brought in to kind of relaunch or launch in some ways all the internet stuff. Kind of what I did for The Daily Show, like, do something like that. What I did for The Onion, do something like that for The Daily Show. Yeah. So I led a department that was new, embedded, and inherited some people, brought on some other people, and uh, you know, put out a whole bunch more stuff online and figure out how to do things differently internally. I left middle of May of this year. Can you do it for me? Because I got no presence at all. <laughs> been really conflicted. I've been getting these seductive text messages from this girl, but they're just riddled with misspellings and grammatical errors. And I just feel like I'm being seduced by Lenny from Of Mice and Men. She put a comma in Come On My Tits. There's no comma. I mean, I'm sorry. I can't just jerk off the gibberish. Some people have some weird fetishes. Like, I can't see the enjoyment in urinating on somebody. I mean, I see the convenience, you know, I just don't see the <laughs> You ever fart during sex and you're so embarrassed you strangle the prostitute? <laughs> I gotta go home and clean my apartment. I saw a dead roach on the kitchen floor today. I'm concerned. Something's killing the roaches. I bought a box of rat poison. You know rat poison has an expiration date on it? It's already rat poison. How bad could it possibly get? Does it become delicious? I mean, what the fuck happens to rat poison? How come it's always ugly animals that break into your apartment? Rats, roaches, mice. Wouldn't it be nice if leaving out dirty dishes attracted baby ducks? You know you walk into the apartment. Who left the fucking dishes on the... <laughs> <laughs> Have a great night, everybody. Thank you very much. The Wilmore show just got canceled That's yesterday. Right. Yeah. So uh, I would a few days ago I would have said these shows seem to be having trouble 
getting getting their foothold. Um, I, I don't really watch them that often, and Trevor is a friend of the club and a friend of mine. And uh, but just in a you know in a, from what I read, yeah, um, that the shows are still kind of finding their their way and. I notice I don't see either of the shows going viral on Facebook like I used to see John Stewart's rants and stuff, you know, often going viral on Facebook. And I'm wondering, well, now with Wilmore's show getting canceled, uh, do you worry that uh, people are going to say, well, you know, we gave, these, we gave a, a black voice a chance and America wasn't interested and it'll be a long time before we, we take that chance again? Are they going to attribute it to the fact? Uh, I, I hope not. I think hilariously, like that would be sad and ironic and a little twistedly funny, but I don't think that people are going to draw that conclusion right off the bat. And I think the nightly show tried a whole bunch of new stuff. They tried the panel format, like they had to fill in. You know, both of these shows didn't exist two years ago. Right. You had Stewart leading into Colbert, leading into like South Park. Like that was a 90-minute juggernaut on Comedy Central for a long time that was just murdering it. And this is before everybody had a Vine account and a Snapchat account cranking out their own funny stuff 24-7. It was before you had a presidential candidate who could be like uh, a vaudevillian, you know, roaster himself. <laughs> like he doesn't need a lot of comedy around him. Like he provides a high level of entertainment This Donald Trump. Well, and Stewart and Colbert also had the benefit of being able to fully flesh out their thing kind of under the radar. Yeah. They didn't and come in with all, with all eyes on them. No, they, they came in pretty unknown. You right. know, Colbert was a natural spinoff of an already loved daily right. show. Right. Stewart was there for like 16, 17 years. And so in his first three years, look at those first three years of shows and ask, like, is, well, even the word viral didn't even make sense back no. then. And Colbert's not less, doing so well on the late show. Right. And it was, I mean, it was a less crowded field. It was less competitive time. And I think... You know, so it's not entirely shocking. It's disappointing. I hate to see a whole bunch of people lose their jobs, especially like it's a pretty good job. I think Trevor, Trevor shows doing the best. I think of all the of all the things. I think it's I doing like it's still doing like I think half of John Stewart's. Numbers. Half? Yeah, I don't. I mean, there's so many ways to cut these numbers. When I was there, I know that it was doing the uh, the best among a certain demographic, like men between 18 and 34. I think the Daily Show was killing it, but overall ratings, like Fallon, has got to be destroying. It's just a much bigger. That's on NBC. He's been running that for a while. They've did, did you very successful. Did you see the thing Trevor did us a while ago already about the African dictators comparing yeah, to Trump? Yeah, I was oh there when that happened. God, that was, was that funny. That was one of the most beautiful moments of the oh, new Daily Show. I mean, it was really I mean, great. Yeah. And, and in retrospect, it even looks more wise than it oh, was yeah. apparent now at the time that he did it. Now with all the stuff and the Paul Manafort, Putin, etc. Anybody Locking should up. Google the, the, the Daily Show, African dictators. Donald Trump, I mean, African dictator. Oh, so funny. Can yeah, I, uh, it was the best thing. Uh, what? Oh no! I just have one topic, and uh, we don't have too much time. But I we have time. Um, very quickly, you were talking uh, on Facebook. You posted oh, something, yes, <laughs> about um, you know that Bernie Sanders has bought a six hundred thousand dollars summer home. Uh huh. Good for him. Okay. Well, I have no problem the first with the nice thing he's ever bought himself. Yeah, have you no seen problem. his suits before? I have no problem with the six hundred thousand dollars <laughs> summer home. One bedroom apartment. No one had an issue with it, however, uh, thinking that it reveals that Sanders right, maybe has more money. But that's not even what I'm getting at. Okay. On Facebook, you posted the following, and I, I and this struck me. You said uh, six hundred thousand on a summer home on a two hundred thousand dollar joint income, a little home on a lake just for the summer. I make a pretty good living. This is what Noam writes, but that must be nice. Now, from that, I took it to mean that you have the that you're implying that you cannot afford a six hundred thousand dollars summer home. Um, this is really what you want to ask me? Yeah. All right. Uh, could I afford a six hundred thousand dollars summer home? You know, this is a part of a pattern. Uh, obviously, with you. a six hundred thousand dollars home. You well, you put down a uh, hundred thousand dollars and you and you pay a mortgage. Um, yes, I could probably swing that. The question is. That that but that money is money that I would be using otherwise for something else, and I, I would have to have more money for me to decide that I want to take out money out of my. It's not just the mortgage; it's the insurance, it's the upkeep on home, it's the gardening, it's all the the, the gas, the electricity, the everything that goes into keeping a home. Would I want to spend that few thousand dollars a month on something that I might use four or six weeks out of the year? As opposed to what I use it for now, no. I don't feel like I have that money. This is Sanders' third home. And obviously, to keep three homes on a $200,000 salary is not really that plausible. 
It, it just doesn't make sense. You'd want other things. I, but I told you in that Facebook thing, what, I, I mean, I don't know, Barrett Sunday, are you, are, you, are you feeling the burn? Were, were you feeling the burn? I felt uh, he a burnt. little bit of heat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I definitely felt very warm. Yeah. And uh, ultimately, I was, I was more of a Hillary person, but I have mad respect for Bernie Sanders. Like, yeah. I, I wasn't just wildly dismissive. I thought he didn't do a great job of explaining some of the how. But I like the push. <laughs> he, didn't, he had no idea. I like the push that he provided, and I think you know he, the way he tapped into anger versus the way Trump tapped into anger. Like he's his is the right way to do it. Right. I'll Absolutely tell you very right quickly way. in a nutshell. My yeah. beef with Sanders. I always liked Sanders, and long yeah. before he ran for president, I thought he's straight. Seems straight. You know, even if I didn't agree with him, there's always something charming about somebody you really feel is mm -hmm. being honest. You know, yeah, like he showed integrity. Yeah. yeah, just like you know, well, even if it's ridiculous, it's like, well, how how much can you hate a guy who's just saying what he thinks? Yeah. You know. Except but, when he's thinking Mexicans are rapists. Again, like there's a way to do that that's terrible. Um, yes, but I would, I would say that even w in, with that example, it does mitigate in some way. With, but anyway. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, but with Sanders, there was the issue of his taxes. And oh, yeah? they asked him, why haven't you released your last five years of taxes or whatever it was? And he says, well, you know, they're in my wife's filing cabinet. We've been very busy lately and we haven't been able to get to it. But we're going to get to it in the next couple of weeks. And I said to him, I said, wait a second. Mm. This is a fucking, all of a sudden, he's become like another hack politician because obviously he can get to it. Yeah. And then. Well, maybe it's on a high shelf, though. I don't know if it's yeah, obvious. exactly. He might need an intern. And then a couple of weeks went by and he never released the taxes. Mm. And I said, wait a second, something's going on here because he's hiding something because he would have put them out there if, if they looked good for him. He finally released one year, which was the year that he prepared during the time he's running for president. Right. Not the years when nobody was looking, yeah, right? Yeah. And I, and he went down in, immeasurably in my eyes. I started to do some research. His wife was making how much? Uh, 200 and something grand uh, at the school. Good for her, sugar mama. I have no problem with anybody yeah. making money. I have a problem with the sanctimony. Yeah. His wife is making... No, he was the high sparrow in many ways. His wife's making a couple hundred grand. He was making a couple hundred grand. Yeah. Together, you know what they were? Top 1%. Yeah. And I believe what he was trying to hide... Is that he was a member he of that Although he had nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. Nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. He should have just said, yeah, you know, we've been lucky in this country. We want everybody else to have the same life that we've been so fortunate to have. Yeah. But he didn't say that. He started telling bullshit. And then when he came out with his $600,000 home, I said, well, obviously, if you have a $600,000 home, you, you've saved some money away. Maybe mm. even in that banking system you've been railing against all this time, you allow, <laughs> maybe some of that money grew on the stock market, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah. I, and I said, well, you know, I mean, it is what it is. I don't, I'm not, yeah. don't want to make it more than it is. Yeah. It's by, by the standards of politicians, it's probably a pretty low uh, No, but he set a much higher bar for politicians than that. But the, the sanctimony yeah. bothers yeah. me. Well, yeah. And I just like tweaking my friends. Yeah. And I well, love that's a good way to and, do it. And I love the fact that none of them, none of my fucking friends say, you know, you're right about that. Like you just did. Yeah. Like here, here, you like the guy. But God bless you, you were like, Yeah, you you, you got a point. Well, that's I, all I want. So I say, Yeah, you, know, you got a point, you know? But no, they're they're twisting it around. Now it's I'm, like, yeah. Well, no, no, you may have a point. You know, I I, I hear what you're saying. Don't um, defend um, the indefensible. The um, guy was bullshitting when still, he said he couldn't release his taxes. I still and when maintain. somebody bullshits, you have a right to say, wait, you're bullshitting. Why well, are you giving him a pass? That's what he made his campaign about, calling yeah. other people well, bullshit. Well, I don't know any about any of that, but I, I still insist that Noam could afford a $600,000 summer home. <laughs> <laughs> I said I could afford well, without it. But it would be no, a stretch. Without breaking well, a sweat. Well, let me tell you something. Without just, okay, let me tell you something. Uh, even let so much as a, a, a increased heart rate. I'm going to tell you something. God, this is God's honest truth. We went up to Maine. My wife and I went up to Maine the other day. Beautiful in the summer. Beautiful. Yeah. Wonderful and, country up that way. And, water. Our, and our closest friends are selling a condo right Five minutes away from Kenny Bunkport. Ooh. And it's $180,000. That's, that's $600,000. That's $0 in New York City. Very little money. And I, I'm wondering, I said, should we get it? And we're like, no, we're not going to spend $180,000. We just, we'll just go and, you know, we rent a home on Airbnb. Yeah. So $600,000, no, 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 no. I mean, it's a lot of money. And it's yeah. your third home. How does a guy making two hundred grand have three homes? First of all, he's... he's, he's He's a lot older than you are. He's closer to death. Um, yeah, but he started so saving he, right after the depression. That would help. I just say he's got money. That's all. Yeah. I don't begrudge him one little bit. No, of it. I, I hear you. I mean, him. The sanct sanctimony is the right word. Like the way he hit Hillary so hard on those speeches, for example, he didn't want to be in the same club that he was smearing. Like you just can't do that. So That's right. He's Mr. High Sparrow from the Game of Thrones, and he's uh, above it all. And the fact is, like, he's a politician. He's probably done dirt as a politician. Like. 
I'm not even accusing him of that. Not not evil dirt, just like typical political stuff. Like he's compromised. He's supported defense not bills that probably made no sense because they created jobs well, in his district. He will like, not say a bad word about guns because because <laughs> yeah. yeah. that's you don't do that in Vermont. And this is an interesting one. Mm-hmm. He filibustered against George W. Bush's immigration, what was considered to be a reasonable immigration right. bill, was accused of like giving amnesty and all that. Sanders was not just against it, he filibustered against it because mm. he felt the immigrants were going to lower people's wages. Somehow, yeah. nobody has really brought that up during the entire time, but you can Google it. It's absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, I guess everybody kind of gave him a pass because, you know— Hillary didn't want to alienate his followers any more than she had mm-hmm, to. Mm-hmm. He totally flipped now that immigration is the, the thing. So the hot he, thing, yeah. So that, that, uh, he kind of violated his own socialist principles. Anyway, and, go ahead. Now your name is Baratunde. Are you, are you the son of immigrants? Um, every black person is an immigrant in America because we're not entirely welcome here. But my, both well, of my I can tell you are, one thing. You're welcome here at this table. Oh, thanks, Dan Natterman. <laughs> I'm a citizen of this table. <laughs> he wrote so, a no, book. Um, my parents were both black Americans and their parents as well. They picked the name uh, to try to draw a connection to Africa that was lost by the magnificently large and, and horrific slave trade. But we don't have any actual ties to Nigeria, where my first name is. Well, it's, uh, a, is from. it's a it's a it's a wonderful name. Thank you. It uh, is a good I, name. I prefer Leonard Oots. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not Leonard Oots, but Baratunde Thurston. That's a strong black name. I'm Leonard gonna stick, I'm gonna stick with what I got. <laughs> no, it's a wonderful name, Baratunde. Yeah, no, you say it really well. A lot Baratunde. of people. Well, don't, it sounds so. like you need really to say it properly. You need uh, um, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones. Yeah. Oh, that, I would love to get him to say my name. Yes, Baratunde. I just want to get famous people to just say my name. That'd be so great. No, it's, it's nice to hear you say. I mean, I remember meeting you when, when I was doing Bringer shows back when I lived in Boston. Was I nice to you the, even then? You were really nice oh, in the little subway yeah. car of the New York Comedy Club. He, he, he was frightened. People, uh, <laughs> look, I just like that he was nice. Okay, <laughs> I don't care why. I, with, with me, what nice you see is, is nice. With me, what you see is there's no there's no lying in me. What you see is what you get. That, that's actually and true. Sometimes yeah. people say, you know, will say, well, he's 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 a little he's a little rough around the edges, but but uh, but it's not. There's no bullshit. Yeah, there's no bullshit. Um, Go ahead. Ask him about his book. Yeah, I'm he gonna... has a book, How to Be Black, which... Um, Aren't which... you just born that way? That's the well, shortcut, <laughs> but it helps to write a book because then you have something to say. So how to So how to be black. So yeah. how does one be black? Uh, I believe Noam just answered that. Uh. Be born that way. <laughs> I mean, Noam has a bunch of questions he wrote down, but I'm just going to no, cut to the chase. Yeah, go ahead. And say... How to be black? How, how well? Give us how to, other than being born. Yeah, black, have, there's there's more to it than that. Have at least have at least one black parent. And by the way, this is because I just so you know, I raised a half black uh, son. Yeah, he's 22 years old now, and to make it, and his father's like legit black guy. He's a rapper. Legit black guy. Yeah, as no, opposed rap, to those no, illegitimate no, no, black no, no, guys. No, 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 no. I'm getting at. He's a rapper. He's not No, no, no. But but the the son came out. Looking not obviously black. Yeah, he could be. So he could get more jobs. What must say? He could just be like uh, maybe Spanish or Middle Eastern. Right. African American would not be what you thought he, should, he was. He could work as a spy. Which made the job of raising him as a black child yeah. even more weird. Yeah. Because he was, he doesn't, he didn't face the black experience. In fact, I remember one time when he was in the third grade, he had spelling <sighs> words. And uh, he had to use the words in a sentence, and yeah. he said, and the word was oppressed. He says, "What's oppressed?" And I'm that's like, "Oh hilarious. God, I really failed you." <laughs> oh, that's awesome! <laughs> I want that on video. It <laughs> really happened. I'm like, God. "Oh, Nicholas, I have to apologize. I really failed you." <laughs> when a white father explains to his not obviously black son what oppression is, years too late. Had so, my suit at Barney's <laughs> oppressed. Oh man! So that's Irish. So, so anyway, so, uh, so so this had to be black. Yeah. I needed this book for my son. You Where did. were you when? You I needed did. to go ahead. I, was, I didn't mean to I wasn't you. born yet. I was still working on it. I hadn't <laughs> written books yet. But, you know, you mentioned oppression. It reminds me, one of the first books my mom ever gave me was a book about apartheid in South Africa when I was like eight years old. And it was like, basically, this is oppression. So I got an oppression handbook at age eight. Apparently, uh-huh. that's the right year. Oh, that's the right year? That's the right year. <laughs> well, so you if know, you have any other kids, like eight years old, uh, and for uh, those of you listening, like give them the oppression. Every Jewish kid that grows up uh, in some with some sort of Jewish education, yeah. there is a point 
that it's that that the parents sit you down and tell you we are despised. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know they, they they there's like a Holocaust curriculum at Hebrew schools. It yeah. starts like in the fourth grade, and so it's like you know growing up you think oh all right we're just like everybody else, and you don't really realize it. And then we, we sit you they sit you down they tell you no we're we're hated and 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 we'll probably be uh, uh, thrown out of America any any day now. <laughs> but you know, you, the Jewish folks. Uh, <laughs> have such a great template for kind of honoring history that I think a lot of us could learn from. Whether like I went to my first Passover Seder you know, this year and I was like, this is beautiful. Like what a way to honor all this stuff and basically not forget. And I think what America has tried to do with a lot of black suffering is like, oh, let's definitely forget this. Like, can we move on? As, let's Snapchat this and move on as quickly as possible. But why, do you, why do you say that? Because that's not my perception of what America tries to do. I, um, it may I, have been. I, th- I think, you know, what America likes to do is say, hey, this bad thing happened for a long time ago. Like, we didn't have anything to do with it, definitely. Like, it was some assholes from history. Thank God they're not around. Anyway, we're all good now. Let's try to look to the future, which is going to be super awesome. But, and everybody's going to be brown. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think that's Honestly, like I don't mean to argue. I mean, yeah, I'm, no, I'm not, not even arguing. I'm answering your question. But I'm saying, like, give me an example of something America, when you say America, whatever, yeah. whatever that means to you. Like they they do this, but they should do that. So so there is no um, memorial to slavery in this country. Is that There's true? no national memorial to slavery, and for the institution that basically made us a superpower, that's a pretty big historical. Like we have museums to air and space. There's we no museum these, of slavery. No, or, or no, this, no museum of the Black American experience. On there's there's African American. Well, that's that's but it. that's that's not that's not it. I think for the country who, whose entire basis of wealth was founded on stolen labor, like uncompensated labor for multiple generations. That's not true. Uh, what part's not true? Uh, you know, it's funny because I, I run into this problem all the time. I'm not soft on slavery. Yeah. Don't, get, don't get me wrong. But the fact is, and I was, I was reading about this recently because people were having this argument that the, um, first of all, the North didn't have slavery. And the, no, but they and, sold, the, they traded with England yeah, right. based but, on the profits but, of but cotton. The, and the North was, uh, you know, five times more wealthy than the South. And by all the, um, by all the economic theories, uh, uh, we'd be wealthier if we had not had slavery. Um, the, well, let, me, let me put it a different way. I don't think it matters whether or not the country benefited from slavery economically or lost economically. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't change one iota of the moral of the moral yeah. issue of slavery. I, yeah. I am I am skeptical. It, you know what it reminds me of? Some people uh, well, they they would support the death penalty because listen, you know how much it costs to keep a prisoner. And I'm like, you know what? It really doesn't matter if yeah. it costs a lot or a little. The question is, is it okay to execute? Somebody? Yeah, you're, you're focused and on the principle. If it's which not, it's not. It's you know? beautiful in this yeah. country. Most people like dollars and cents. Yeah. But in terms of what America could be doing differently, I think we like to pretend that A, and you can put this in a little parentheses because you don't buy the economic argument, that part of our might today depends on that theft from long ago. But even more than that, the suffering of today is tied to that suffering from long ago. That I agree with you. And so when we try to have arguments about why are black families the way they are or why are these black neighborhoods the way they are, you can't do that honestly without bringing history into it. And I think this country likes to be like, oh, no, it's just, you know, black kids should pull up their pants and these dads aren't home and their kids are playing video games. Like, there's a, no one wants to remember that it was formal government policies over, you know, And by the way, this made me, I never thought of this before, but it's interesting. Compare it to Germany. Yeah. I don't think anybody's going to make the argument that the Holocaust benefited Germany in any way. They mm-hmm. didn't build their economy on none of it. None of it. None of the things that we claim about slavery. Nevertheless, Germany is extremely conscious yeah. of the Holocaust. They do... They do. Uh, you can't it, walk around Berlin without reminders. You're not even allowed to deny that it's illegal yeah. to... So it, that's kind of my point. We don't need to you know, go there in but, order to, to, to be fully uh, aware of it and understand that it, even, even... And Germany doesn't have a current... Legacy of Jews who are, who are, have problems. You know, in other words, it's, it's just something that happened in their history, and just the fact that it happened is enough for them to realize they have responsibility. But, but Germany is a great counterpoint to the United States. Yeah, but you because, get my point. Yeah, because they did a reparations program, they did a huge historical acknowledgement program, they carried 
they owned their well, shame. Well, they, they didn't do the reparations on, uh, no, no, willingly, but but but, but, yeah. but, yeah. but it happened. Yeah, but it was right? it was to the people who were actually like, yeah. It, it didn't. It goes to the people who were actually the, the the big challenge of reparations for slavery. And by the way, I think there is a logical. I don't support reparations, but I I don't think it's a ridiculous argument. Yeah. I've had, but the big problem is that the people who were slaves are not alive anymore, and and some people who were. Uh, black are not even descendants of the people who were slaves, and some people. I mean, it, it, it's such a difficult thing to unravel. And then, and I'll tell you this: I also think, and I say, be careful what you wish for. I don't think Black America wants this. I don't think Black America wants White America to say, "Listen, we paid them their reparations. Now, what else do you want from us?" In other words, there's the idea of reparations think, is also settling of a score. I don't. But look, people said that when. We got MLK Day. People said that when Oprah became a billionaire. People said that when Obama became the black president. White America is always looking for an excuse to close the account on but black America's history. Reparations so is actually closing the account. But it, it, we've already had people try to move on. I don't think saying like, how much you want. People are going to use that mm-hmm. as an excuse. How, how much? This is, I know. want six hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> I can buy that <laughs> vacation home that Bernie Sanders just got. But you do get my point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I do. There, I would, there is, and, and people would say that. No, no. And people, the, the thing that I think is important for your listeners to hear is that if the, a case for reparations is not about the literal lineage and blood descent. It's about the position that African Americans in this country are still in. Wait a minute, I just had a that's not the legal theory of reparations. By the way, I'm telling you what I think theory of reparations uh, is. Uh, we're kind of running out of time. I think by the time oh, we get to reparations, and now we're running out of time. No, we're not running out of time. Oh, what a oh, coincidence! Listen, if you if you could show I'm me, I'm saying he should talk to Stephen, get rebooked because. Oh. And I had oh, another part two. idea. Nice. I had another idea. <laughs> yeah. You know, we do a debate series right here at the Comedy Cellar every month. I didn't know that. Now, why didn't we think of this sooner? Reparations, the debate with Baratunde as one of the uh, uh, co- pardon. Calabria has already said that it's already in the works. Right. Have have you booked the debaters? Because it seems like Baratunde might be very good for that. Uh, for that, Did you, anyway, Listen, whatever. Let me, let me say, if if you could, just to, just just to be clear, what I said that if you could show me direct lineage to a a black guy in the old South who was uh, uh, made a slave, I say, listen, he at that in that day he should have had reparations and that debt remains and now I'm his descendant and me and all his descendants whatever that money should have been plus interest we should get that money and what I'm and but, what but that, that's, that's a logical argument that I can totally understand but if you want to also say and by the way I came a hundred years later from Africa but I'm also the same color as he is so therefore I'm owed money now too on the basis of my DNA that's a I, you, you can make that argument, but it's a totally different argument, and it's it's much it, it follows much less logically. You're, you're talking so about I, a confusing. We argument need there. another show for this. You're using the word logic as if there's some clear line between what you're describing and what's right and just. We do need and another I show. I, I, don't think I thought I described the clear no, line. No, no, you you described it clearly, but I, it's not that one is logical and the other isn't. I think. Your, I don't. I don't know the logic for the other one. The other one is is not like, hey, random person came from Africa is now trying to make a claim on America's history. It's that the current position of the black various black communities in this country with respect to housing, education, jobs, that is directly traceable to the continuing legacy of slavery. It's not like slavery ended. That's not reparations. And everybody just listen to me, man. You you can't just say that's not reparations when I'm describing to you what a reparations program might be. Because you have a fixed idea that it's only tied to the rich, the rich an actual get slave, probably. But a, it's more. A, a but rich, it's more about. A, it's more. Tar- the idea would be that it's targeted at those black communities that are actually suffering and don't have resources. That's what I'm saying. It's not reparations. It's. It's. it's, it's I'm not saying so they should just use. Now it's hold, hold, semantic argument. Yeah. I'm not saying they shouldn't get it. I'm saying that's that's what government policy maybe ought to be yeah. because its citizens are in need of whatever color they are. But it's I do not, not about whatever not, color they I are. I do not think a black man in need is more entitled to the, the compassion and help of his government than a white man in need, regardless of what color he is and regardless of what Mar- his Marina history Franklin was. is. That's looking, my point. And when you do reparations that, are, is a legal concept of Don't please don't explain reparations. I mean, what no, I'm saying is I'm saying it to the... What but it, you're, to the, to you're, the, you're coming across as if you have a total understanding of what this word means, and I'm telling you... That when you say it's, you know, a debt, there is a debt owed to any black child that is in this country whose parent was not able to get a home because their grandparents were redlined 
by government housing policies, which prevented and moved black people out. When over-policing was official government policy, when clans were lynching people all over the South and you had to flee and move up to factories in Chicago, like, it's all connected. It's so it's a complicated... It is logic, but it's a complex logic. I don't logic think the cause matters. Simple. I think they're in need. I think the, if without the cause, then we can't really fix the problem. If we just say, oh, everybody gets help from the government, we don't acknowledge that this government, whose policies are still not over okay, yet, here's still final, tied back to point. slavery. Yeah. Reparations, you, you, if you are entitled to reparations in some normally, it doesn't matter. You could be a millionaire. It's your money. You're entitled to reparations. I don't think the government wants to start giving money to rich African Americans who might have come here 50 years ago. That doesn't. I. I and, I and, and I think because I, what I see happening here is you have a very fixed idea of what reparations mean and what the distribution of reparations payment would mean. So you see, like, ATM machines kicking out cash to anybody who says they're black. That is not what I'm describing. And so I think there is a way to... I actually think we agree. I think Yeah, no, I, but I think the language does matter. I think it's going to be useful to the listeners because it's helpful for me to hear you because I'm like, I don't think we're disagreeing either, but I'm getting a little heated because of the way you're describing what is and isn't reparations. So let me be clear that I don't mean that just because you're black, you show up at the reparations bodega and you get like a check card. I think there's, it's probably more community focused. It's at zip codes, school districts, uh, you know, housing areas that are in dire straits that can be traced back to a legacy of denied home you know, loans we're, and stuff we're, like that. I think we're, yeah. we're arguing about semantics, and I'm kind of thinking what the dictionary says. The, the, but, but I think in, it, it, if we don't call it a word, what we're both saying is that... Justice um, is um, another word. That's, Amer <laughs> that's right. America screwed up the black community, yeah. and America uh, has a moral obligation to do what it can to make good on what it's done to the oh, black community. Oh, high-five me across the table, brother. First of all, I want, I want to tell you what a great man you are, Baratunde. Oh, Dan geez. hates when we talk politics, and he actually did not uh, uh, intervene to, to get us off politics in this one. He must have been interested well, in some Well, I think way. that because, you know, um, it was interesting. <laughs> and, yes. um, yeah, for some reason it worked for me today. Yeah. Maybe because it, sure was, it wasn't, like, just, it wasn't quote-unquote And also those baritundes right. in the comedy world, so we're hearing a comedian's perspective on it, rather than some Huffington Post reporters that don't need to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a Huffington Post reporter here? We've well, there have been in the past, okay. and I don't feel that they necessarily add anything that we can't ourselves talk about. Right. Write in and tell us, did you love baritundes? <laughs> what's, what's the uh, email here again? Uh, what is it? Uh, uh, well, we have a few. We keep changing You guys are hilarious. They, they all work. Uh, comedy Seller Show at ComedySeller.com. Comedy Seller Show at Comedy Or you just go to the Comedy Seller website and, and do the Contact Us page. Click around. Yeah, that's what. Let is. us know what you like. Did you love Baratunde? I know that you did. But, <laughs> but, but, even but, have to answer but, that, but let us, yeah, that's a rhetorical it's a, question. It's a waste of time. Special thanks to Greg Rogel. Nice to sit uh, next to you. Greg, guy, you should uh, come more often. Greg is, uh, is, is great on these shows. And uh, uh, Baratunde, Dan Natterman, Krista Montella. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.